Hi, and thanks for hitting the snooze button. My name is Neil Headley. Welcome to episode six, or as we're probably going to start referring to it going forward, episode 6A. Here's what's going on. We spent about a half an hour with each of the two guests that are on this week's episode. But as we started doing the editing to make these episodes nine minutes long, we thought, okay, well, that means both of them get about four or five minutes, and that's just not doing justice to everything they're bringing. So here's what we're doing. First of all, if you're a bedhead, you are getting uh, all of the content in one episode. You get the entire interview that we did with both of our guests. If you're listening on the free side, here's what happens. This episode, 6A, is with Dr. Ravi Alada from Northwestern University. He studied decades of Major League Baseball game records and has come up with a statistical constant that relates game performance to jet lag. And we're going to get into that conversation with him in just a second. If you're also listening on the free side, you're going to get a bonus episode this week where we spend nine minutes with Dan Schulman from ESPN, the voice of Major League Baseball. We talked to Dan about, you know, traveling, covering the games, being in a different city every night, covering Major League Baseball, especially now during the playoffs. How the heck do you get to sleep when you're doing that much road travel? We'll talk to Dan about that. Again, if you're a member of our Bedheads, you get both interviews in this week's episode all together, all 30 minutes that we spent with each of those two guests. And you can find details about how to become a Bedhead. Cost you a dollar a month. You get there from thesnoozebutton.com slash podcast. You click the link that says become a patron. Without any further ado, Dr. Ravi Alada from Northwestern University. Talk to me about your baseball study. First of all, where did the idea for your study of specifically, I guess, jet lag and sleep come from? Um, I think it was sort of a confluence of two of my interests. One is uh, my scientific background started in the area of circadian rhythms. And obviously, uh, circadian rhythms are 24-hour rhythms that govern many aspects of our biology, our behavior. And of course, probably the most prominent example of our 24-hour clock is our sleep-wake cycle. We, we wake up at a particular time of day and we go to bed at a particular time of day. That happens about every 24 hours. Even if I put you in a cave, that will still happen. It'll be about every 24 hours, you'll still wake up and go to sleep. Even if you didn't have a clock near you, nothing. It's all internally driven by a biological clock. So I've always been very interested in that clock. Um, and at the same time, since you know, childhood, collecting baseball cards, and being interested in statistics, I was always interested in baseball as a great um, sport for doing statistical analysis. And uh, I, I, I grew up at the time when the uh, sabermetrics books of Bill James were just coming out. Um, and so that was a very exciting time to get me involved in statistical analysis of baseball. And um, from the standpoint of the circadian clocks field, my interest, my, most of my work had been done in animal, simple animal models. But I also had a, a clinical background as a physician. So I was always interested in how do we apply the work we've done in circadian clocks and basic mechanisms and animals and apply that uh, to human beings. So to study it in humans, I needed a, a, a model, if you will, where we could disrupt the circadian clock and ask what happens when you disrupt the clock. So one of the ways you can disrupt the clock is via jet lag. So in jet lag, someone's traveling from Los Angeles to New York, um, but it turns out that your circadian clock, you know, while you can reset the clock on your watch right away as soon as you land, 
your biological clock, because of its stability, takes three days for it to travel those three times. So the first day you're in New York, you have jet lag because your clock is actually still back in LA or maybe in New Mexico or still on its way to New York. It hasn't, hasn't quite arrived at the new time zone. So jet lag gave us a way of looking at what happens when you disrupt that clock. And then baseball gave us a way of studying performance of people who travel because the schedule is so dense and there's so many travel going on. We would know roughly when a team travels. There's basically a day off between, between games, typically. We know when they traveled approximately. And we know from, wh- from which place they started and which place they landed. We knew something about the travel. We knew players are jet lagged. And then we have the wealth of statistics in baseball that allowed us to measure the impact of that jet lag on performance. And, um, and I should just say, this is a way of acknowledging other work done in the field. There are other people who have approached this question and have found that jet lag does impact things like winning percentage. Our study was, was unique and different in the standpoint of we were looking at a much larger set of games, almost uh, you know, 40,000 over a 20-year period, um, so much larger data set. We wanted to try to understand if there were specific aspects of performance which were impacted by jet lag. In other words, okay, we know that you won't perform as well. Your team will lose more frequently when you're jet lag. We want to understand how that happens. And was it the fact that everything gets worse or are there particular metrics that get worse? And so that's what we were trying to do with our stuff. So, so it wasn't just, uh, you know, win-loss percentage or things like that. It, did you get as granular as figuring out you know, and, and this may be beyond the scope, but I mean, if I'm a control pitcher, I'm going to have a harder time than if I'm somebody that throws 105 miles an hour, or I'm going to perform worse if I'm a home run hitter versus a singles hitter. Like, did you get that granular with it? Not, not quite, but I think we're close. Um, so what we did find was that um, pitchers give up more home runs. That was the strongest effect of anything we saw. So pitchers didn't they didn't they didn't give up more walks they didn't have fewer strikeouts they didn't have more wild pitches or we, we couldn't detect those things at least um, but it was clear they gave up more home so you said that there are other studies in addition to yours that have sort of poured over this data if there's so much science out there do you know perhaps if maybe major league baseball has taken a look at this and thought Okay, we have to be a little bit more careful when we build the schedule to account for this. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I believe it was in the last, independently confirm this, but I believe it was in the last labor agreement that uh, players wanted more days off or the travel schedule adjusted to minimize uh, these jet lag effects. I think it's also affected the NBA schedule where they want more days off between series to allow more time to adapt. And so Major League Baseball has altered the schedule. We saw this in our data sets where if a team, I gave you the example of flying from LA to New York, as it turns out, that's a vanishingly rare circumstance in the schedule. Major League Baseball will have a team fly from New York to LA, so going to West, that's easier for our circadian clock. But when that team is coming back, they're going to go LA to Denver, 
then they're going to play next series in Chicago, then they're going to play their next series in New York. Right? So that's going to help you adjust by not having you fly all the way back at once. You're sort of making this hop when you come back. And so clearly it's influenced the way the schedule makes But even, even with that adjustment, we were still able to see the jet lag effect. In fact, one of the other questions I, I often get asked is, well, teams know about this over this 20-year period. Maybe by the end of the 20-year period, the teams have adjusted to such an extent that you won't be able to see the jet lag anymore. If you look in your later years. So we actually compared the later years and the earlier years, and we actually found no difference between the two. And we keep using the example of Los Angeles and New York, obviously, because those are the two farthest points from each other on the map. But I mean, it, is there an impact of something as simple as one or two time zones difference? Or yeah. do you basically need to go from one coast to the other to see this? Yeah, that's a great question, because you're, you're right. There, there actually aren't that many games that involve that kind of that length, that travel, because of the way the schedule has been built. So in our study, actually, we treated you have two hours or three hours of jet lag. We treat that as a group. The two hours clearly has an effect. Um, and we haven't published it yet, but we did a more systematic analysis looking at zero, one, two, and three. And um, even there, then, we can detect, even with a one-hour change, you can see significant effects. And there's another example that all of the, your audience, um, or maybe much of your audience, will appreciate. Um, there's a similar circumstance that happens every year for us, and that's daylight savings time. So in daylight savings time, we spring forward, particularly when we go forward, right? We have to speed everything up. And as I mentioned before, as our clocks run a little bit slow, we have trouble going forward. We have easier time to fall back in the fall. Um, so in that, after that spring forward, there's now a number of studies um, looking at sort of health consequences of that. So ER visits and all sorts of things. And a lot of those go up right after we do the spring forward. So that's just a one-hour shift. That's equivalent of like a one-hour jet lag, if you will. Everything happens one hour earlier now. Um, as if you travel from, say, Chicago to New York. So we know there's health consequences of that. And, and I would just say in our data set, we also observe performance effects. And you know, really, we focus a lot on that home run stuff. So even an hour of jet lag, and it's hard to believe because most people think that that's kind of minimal. Uh, you can see significant effects. And, and again, I want to emphasize also, because not everybody does a lot of travel, even daylight savings time can have that effect. And it's actually led to now a number of bills and legislatures to go to permanent time instead of shifting back and forth during the year because of these potential health consequences. I start to look down the list here for at least as of you and I sitting down right now and, and who's in. And I'm, I'm seeing the Astros and the Dodgers. There's a lot to think about as the playoffs unfold this season. And now you've given me an entirely different way to geek out and watch this thing this year. So I appreciate it. Ravi, thanks for making time for this. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for having me. There you go. Dr. Ravi Alada from Northwestern University. All his details will be in the show notes so you can get in touch. You can learn more about the study and all of that. Uh, coming your way, if you are listening on the free side, is a bonus episode that will hit on Wednesday with Dan Schulman from ESPN. If you don't want to wait all the way until Wednesday and you're willing to invest a dollar a month in getting better sleep, then you go to thesnoozebutton.com slash podcast and you're getting both a half an hour with Dr. Ravi Alada and a half an hour with Dan Schulman from ESPN and you can get them now. In the meantime, 
We'll see you Wednesday for a special bonus episode of the Snooze Button. 